Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for uh, this thing called the church. And Father, we, we are in a season of trying to understand that that is not a building, but a body. A body of believers come together under the banner of your name. And so Father, today, as we have studied these past weeks, help us to understand uh, more of the responsibility, the, the wonderful responsibility that is ours as church members. And so we give you thanks and praise and ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are in the midst of this series. Um, I'm just going to forego the, and just say it, membership has its privileges, right? Or excuse me, its responsibilities. <laughs> Hello. Um, so just to recap, week one, we talked about this idea of being a functioning church member. Okay, remember we said that <clears throat> an inactive body is an oxymoron, right? An inactive member, an inactive body's dead, I guess, which kind of makes sense. If we have inactive church members, then the body is essentially dead as well. All right, then in week two, which was last week, we talked about being a unifying church member. And so we said that there were really three components to this. First was being a source of unity, right? You yourself being someone who takes unity seriously. Two, avoiding gossip and other negative talk. And this is kind of where this idea of um, being a source of unity comes in. You know, if you're confronted with someone who is talking uh, in a way that is gossipy or you know, is, is talking against the church in some way, you can just say, look, I, I choose not to hear that. Uh, and then finally, this idea of practicing forgiveness, because as I said, we're all going to offend one another at various times, and uh, we need to be of a mind to practice both asking for and then granting forgiveness. All right? So... This week, we're talking about being an unselfish church member. <clears throat> and um, selfishness is something that pretty much every child has to learn about, right? I mean, they don't have to learn about being selfish. They have to learn about <laughs> being unselfish. Selfishness just kind of happens, right? So, you know, if you're a parent, then you have either seen siblings going at it, or if you have just a single child, then you've probably seen that child and his or her friends going at it um, because they wanted something their way right now and without compromise. So it's really, really good that we grow out of this when we become adults, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> It's even better that we never, ever revert to that phase after we become Christians, right? Right. Yeah, well, not so much. See, Christians can sometimes act like those demanding children who just have to have things their way. Now, a temper tantrum in a church may not include church members lying on the floor kicking and screaming, but I've seen some come close. <laughs> the strange thing about church membership is that 
you actually give up your preferences when you join. Now, don't misunderstand me. There are very likely some things that about whatever church you're a part of that you like a lot. But you're there to meet the needs of others. Did I miss a scripture? I don't know if I did. There we go. That's what I wanted. See, that's kind of our attitude in many cases. Um, we're there to serve others. We're to give. We're there to sacrifice. See, Jesus often said these things that just completely confounded his listeners. And if you are familiar with the scriptures, you know that there were times when his disciples had this tendency to kind of act a little childish towards each other. And on one occasion, they were talking about who was the greatest. Now that really sounds mature, doesn't it? You know, if we're kind of thinking about it now in this light, you know, got 12 guys sitting around trying to decide who's the best. And I don't even, it's kind of like the greatest what? You know, you don't really say it's just the greatest. Who is the greatest, I guess, in the eyes of God? would be the logical answer there. And so it's just kind of mind-blowing to think about that. Here you have the closest followers of Jesus having this me-first fight. And the Bible says that Jesus stopped and he sat down and he called these fully grown men together. And I think this is the scripture that somehow got out of, yeah. All right, so please forgive me. It got out of, play, out of order. But he sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Ouch, if you were sitting there. That might have stung a little bit. Wouldn't you have loved to be uh, a fly on someone's cloak and seen their expressions? And you're, you're, we're kind of like, yeah, he got you this time, you bunch of self-serving disciples. <laughs> but then it hits us that that text is for us too. See, as a church member, my motivation should not be to get my preferences to the top of the list. I'm supposed to be last, not first. I'm supposed to be a servant rather than seeking to be served. Base, that doesn't sound good. So, God desires that we would all become unselfish church members. Someone who is not going to let church be entirely about your preferences and your desires and your wants. So what does that look like? How can we become unselfish church members? Well, I think the first way would be by practicing servanthood. <clears throat> the word servant <clears throat> occurs um, in 132 verses in the New Living Translation. Now, I'm sure it's going to vary, 
but that's probably pretty close because that's a word that would more than likely translate the same way each time. So we have 132 versions of servant and 63 versions of serve. And so, you know, sometimes that that is going to it's going to use servant as someone who has an official role in a household. Okay, so not every time does it refer to it this way, but most of the time it's there to refer to the role that we are to have as Christians. And so I think based on these numbers, you can surmise that serving is fairly important in Scripture. Now Jesus said that we must be last of all and servant of all. Now I think if we're honest with one another, that doesn't sound like all of the church members that we know. Because many church mem members demand their preferences, their desires, and of course, the way we've always done it. But Jesus said we're here to serve. And Paul said the same thing. After he became a Christian, he said this in, in Ephesians. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. And see, the, the interesting thing about this is we're never going to find joy in church membership. Well, we do have a joy in church membership, but that's a different thing. <laughs> but we're never going to find the other kind of joy in church membership when we're constantly seeking things our way. But in this great paradox, we find the greatest joy when we choose to be last and to be a servant of all. And that's what Jesus meant, I think, when he said the last will be first. True joy means giving up our rights and giving up our preferences and serving everyone else. And that's really what church membership means as well. So... In this first instance, you become an unselfish church member by practicing servanthood. Now, the second way we do this is by no longer seeking to have church my way. Now, I want you to I'm show you a little video. See if this conversation sounds at all familiar. Do we have to do this today? Or can we wait and come back next week? No, I know you. If we wait until next weekend, it'll be like six months before I even get you this far again. Okay. Let's go in. Fine. What are you waiting for? I just, I hate the way they stand there and wait for you to come in. Yes, and the big handshake, and they greet you like they've known you forever. We've saved a seat for you. We know just what you need. Come on in for a bad cup of coffee. Cream, sugar. We've got something special for the kitties today. We're going to give them lots of candy and things that make a joyous noise. How long have you been looking? Where else have you gone? What do you do for a living? Where do you live? Own? 
rent. It's like they're trying to calculate your income with every question. You know, I like the guy we had a few weeks ago. What guy? I don't remember. The guy with the jeans. Oh, and all the tattoos? No! Well, come on, I felt oh. a connection with him. It, just, it felt like he knew exactly why I was there. That guy went on forever. I thought he would never finish. Point taken. Well, you like the place with the music. They all have music. Yes, but this place, they actually knew that we were in, like, the third millennium. Oh, yeah, that place. You know, they really seem to care about the kids. You know, safety, security, very important. What about that place? I didn't like the guy. I didn't like what he had to say. I didn't like what he had to offer. See, I was okay with him until he got to the part about the money. I mean, it's always about the money. Honey, honey, honey. We are not alone. That's why we're here. All right, let's try one more time. Let's do it for the kids. For the kids. We're here now anyway, so we may as well go in for our free cup of coffee. Didn't end up where you thought it was going to, we did it. <laughs> See, that's how uh, so many of us, or at least we know people who are like that, if it's not us. And so this is what I thought was interesting. Lifeway Research, which, you know, you know the stores. So this is the research arm of, of the Lifeway company. So Lifeway Research did this survey of churches that were inwardly focused. Okay, so... For the most part, these are churches that are not serving past their own walls and their own members. So in other words, the churches are largely self-serving and more than likely not growing. All right. So they found 10 dominant behavior patterns of members in these churches. So let's see if we recognize any. The first is worship wars. <clears throat> One or more factions in the church want the music just the way they like it. Any deviation is met with anger and demands for change. The order of service must remain constant, and certain instrumentation is required while others are prohibited. This brings up the whole, there will never be any drums in this sanctuary, blah, blah. So you, you guys get that. Another was uh, prolonged minutia meetings. The church spends an inordinate amount of time in different meetings. Most of the meetings deal with the most inconsequential items, while the Great Commission and Great Commandment are rarely topics of discussion. Facilities focus was number three. The church facilities develop iconic status. One of the highest priorities in the church becomes the protection and preservation of rooms, furniture, and other visible parts of the church's buildings and grounds. And, and when I think about this and, and you know, that whole idea, um, there was a song by Todd Agnew a number of years ago, 
and I don't remember the name of the song, and but uh, the whole idea of the song was that the crucified Jesus would not be invited into this church because he might get blood on the carpet. And I mean, it just pierced my heart when I heard that because I knew it to be true in a lot of places. Program driven. Now, you know, some, some churches don't like to kind of admit they have programs, but they all do one way or the other. And, um, if we start to do ministry in a certain way, it takes on programmatic status. Now, that's not in and of itself a problem. The problem develops when the program becomes the end instead of the means to an end. Inwardly focused budget. A disproportionate share of the budget is used to meet the needs and comforts of the members instead of reaching beyond the walls of the church. Inordinate demands for pastoral care. All church members deserve care and concern, especially in times of need and crisis. So that's not what we're talking about. Problems developed, however, when church members have unreasonable expectations for even minor matters. Some members expected the pastoral staff to visit them regularly merely because they have membership status. Attitudes of entitlement. Uh, really, this could be kind of a catch-all for many of the points that were named here. Uh, but the overarching attitude is one of demanding and having a sense of deserving special treatment. greater concern about change than the gospel. Almost any noticeable changes in the church evoke the ire of many, but those same passions are not evident about participating in the work of the gospel to change lives. Anger and hostility. Members are consistently angry. They regularly express hostility towards the church's staff and other members. And then last, but definitely not least, is evangelistic apathy. Very few members share their faith on a regular basis. More are concerned about their own needs rather than the greatest eternal needs of the world and community in which they live. And I think it's probably pretty obvious that in almost every one of these behaviors that's listed up there, church members are always looking out for their own needs and their own preferences. I want the music my way. I want the building my way. I'm upset because the pastor didn't visit me when I had a hangnail. I don't want to change anything at all, ever, in my church. I, me, my. Church membership from a biblical perspective, however, is about servanthood. It's about giving. It's about putting others first. And so you can be an unselfish church member by no longer seeking to have church your way. Sounds like a Burger King commercial. 
And then finally, we need to have the mind of Christ. And I think one of the best descriptions of this attitude was written by Paul in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, where it says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. It's not only an an example or an explanation or a description of the obedience that Jesus had. It's an example to follow. We are to be servants. We are to be obedient. We are to put others first. We are to do whatever it takes to keep unity in our church. So if we approached church membership from the position of entitlement, we have it exactly upside down. You always ask first, what can you do for your church? And then you discover the joy of being last. The comedian Louis C.K. has a routine in which he jokes about having the impulse to give up his first class seat to a soldier. Now Louis C.K. says, service men and women always fly coach. I've never seen a soldier in first class in my life. And every time I see a soldier on a plane, I always think, you know what? I should give him my seat. It would be the right thing to do. It would be an easy thing to do. And it would mean a lot to him. I never have. Let me make that clear. I've never done it once. And here's the worst part. I was actually proud of myself for having thought of this. I am such a sweet man. That is so nice of me to think of doing that and then totally never doing it. But in June of 2014, Oscar-nominated actress Amy Adams actually acted on that thought. Boarding a flight on a Friday from Detroit to Los Angeles where she was shooting a new movie, Adams noticed an American soldier being seated in coach. She decided to do something that she's always just thought about doing. Jamel Hill, a reporter for ESPN, and a fellow first-class passenger witnessed Adams quietly asking the airline crew permission to switch seats with a soldier whom she did not know. Adams moved back to coach, and the surprised soldier who didn't know who his benefactor was moved up to first class. Hill immediately got the word out on Twitter, and after their arrival in L.A., Adams told reporters, I didn't do it for attention for myself. I did it for attention to the troops. 
And I think what that highlights is that there's a difference between thought and action. Between thinking about doing something and actually doing it. And so let me encourage you today not to just think about approaching church more unselfishly, but to actually become more unselfish and see what God will do with that. In, in kind of a, um, I wanted to respond a little bit to what Harry said because it kind of ties in with something I wanted to share today anyway. Um, when we were in uh, Urbana a couple of weeks ago, um, Robbie Dawkins was speaking at the session on um, Friday, I think. Yeah, it was Friday right before lunch. And so he had, he taught for a while, and then he said he was going to start giving people, uh, you know, just he had a couple of words that, from the Lord that he wanted to share with people. So he pointed to this one couple that was sitting in the section on this side of us, and he spoke to them. And uh, then he was looking around. He's like, oh, where's the other couple? And he said, uh, gentleman in the gray sweater. Well, it so happened I was wearing the sweater that day. But you know how when someone says that, you're thinking, oh, there must be somebody else in a gray sweater. <laughs> so then, you know, he, he needed to refine what he said. And he said that has the really nice hair. <laughs> now, I've been told numerous times, in fact, I was telling Sally, I had a guy I used to work with at Markel who always told me I had executive hair. <laughs> so I knew who Robbie was talking about. And under his breath, and we actually have a recording of it, someone recorded this on their phone and gave it to us. So we have the recording of the whole thing. Robbie's bald. And so you can hear him under his breath going, yeah, I'm really jealous of the nice hair. <laughs> so he gives us this wonderful word, and a lot of it tied in with what Harry was saying today. And I won't go into it now. There may be a time to share that later on. But what I wanted to share was at the very end of it, he said something about, and I think one of you there needs some healing. There's something, you know, that needs some healing. Well, I kind of looked at Sally, who was who's also, he asked her to stand up as well. So she and I were standing up together. And I was like, are you okay? I mean, do you need any healing for anything that you haven't mentioned? She's like, no, I'm all right. So the only thing I could really think of was I, since we had gone to Aruba, I've got this little, it's kind of a little darker spot on my hand. Well, I had had one on my chest. And since coming back from Aruba over the last couple of months, this thing started to grow. And that was on a Friday. The very next week, I was planning to go to the doctor anyway for a physical. And I was going to ask the doctor, you know, what is this? Does it need to come off? And, of course, you're always thinking, is it cancer and whatever. But that was the only thing that was wrong. So I said, well, you know. And so he asked these people to come around us and pray. And uh, they did, and you know, asked me, and so someone put their hand you know, right up here and prayed. And, you know, of course, I also hadn't mentioned it to Sally. She's like, let me see that. So you know, <laughs> when we get back to the hotel, she, she did wait until then, thankfully. 
Uh, and so I showed it to her. And, you know, like I said, I was planning to go to the doctor the very next week. If it was anything serious, I was going to mention it. But figured until I knew what it was, what the heck, because it could be just a mole. So, um, over the, let's see, that was two, so that was about two weeks ago. So, middle part of, I, well, I noticed during this time that it seemed to be drying up, which is kind of odd. And then all of a sudden, on Thursday of last week, I brushed it or something, and it was one of those things that if you if you really hit it hard, it would bleed a little bit, you know. So you had to be a little bit careful of it. Well, the the, the scab fell off, and there's nothing underneath. Yeah, I mean, it just went away, and so it was like, wow, I've got a God story I could share. <laughs> um, and so I just really, I wanted to just to share that as an encouragement that, you know, God still does heal people. You know, I, I fully expect, in fact, I have an appointment that I have to cancel, but an appointment on Tuesday to go to the, back to the doctor to have it removed. Because he said, he looked at it, he said, I don't think this is anything to be, to be worried about, but it's better, let's just take it off. So, you know, it's not a, a problem. So I get to call the doctor tomorrow and say, not coming, sorry, because <laughs> it's already taken care of. Um, yeah, praise God. So uh, what I would sort of like to do today, sort of in closing uh, this out, is I would like to ask the, the, the School of Kingdom Ministry folks to come up again. It's okay, I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes. <laughs> so if you were worried I was going to do that, don't be. Now, <laughs> when did you think? Yeah. Okay. And the reason we do this is we, we, we really want to constantly be stirring up. Um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and, 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 and using them and, and so forth. So what I'm going to ask these folks to do today, are you going to play, Renee? Okay, so if you would come up too, and maybe just once we start this, just start to play a little bit. It would be wonderful. <laughs> Attaboy, John. John's over there recruiting. <laughs> it looks like every... All right, what I'm going to ask these folks to do is I want you guys to pray. Let me come around and actually look at you. I want you all to pray and ask God for a word, and then I want you to ask him who it is you're to give it to. And then whoever he highlights, whether it's a name or you just look out and, and somehow or another you know it's a, that particular person, then I want you to go to them. And, and give them what you got, all right? And we'll see, you know, kind of where we end up with all of that. So what I'm going to do is just sort of do a, a, a little benediction here so that it, it sort of officially closes the service. And if you want to leave, you can, but you might be missing out on something that God has to say. And I guess I need to turn back around this way now. <laughs> so um, just remain seated, and I'm just going to pray 
and then we'll ask these folks to to begin to ask the Lord for uh, something, and then Renee will just play some lovely music in the background, and uh, we'll be we'll see where that takes us. So, Father God, I, I just thank you for um, for this day and for all these uh, children of yours that braved the cold to come here. And so, Father, I just uh, ask that you would bless them, that you would keep them all warm in the week ahead as it's going to be a little bit colder than it has been. And Father, uh, give them opportunities to serve you. Just put things in their path that allow them to, uh, to serve you and ultimately to give glory to you. And so we give you the thanks and the praise and we ask all of these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.